Hello and welcome to the 361 Podcast Season 8, Episode 3. My name's Ben Smith from Wireless Worker. I'm Ewan from Mobile Industry Review. I'm Ray from the All About Sites. And this week we're answering listener Stephen Smith's question, when should he buy a flagship phone to get the best value for money? And we're defining what flagship means and looking at the way prices drop over time. Before moving on to where and how you should buy the phone to be most efficient. Quick $100 handset challenge update this week, uh, Ewan McLeod. Right, okay, so I'm horrified at the vitriol, but I, I think it's fair to say I am still carrying the listeners. I mean, some of the, I reckon that the silent majority are with me here, right? It, you very, didn't very, very, you didn't specify, very silent. <laughs> you didn't specify a limit. Yeah, hundred dollars. Okay, well, so it's, it's great. I'm absolutely loving it. And, uh, well, just very quickly, um, how, what, what, what do you miss most about the, the 700 pound iPhone that you've given up? The torch. Really? Seriously, it's that simple. I mean, I'm going to tell, tell you more later on because I've, I've got a, a growing list of exciting things. I'm actually really impressed with it. Okay. Uh, Rafe Blanford? Well, I have a slight confession to make in that it's actually taken me a while to get my main SIM oh, into the device. Rubbish. I've just had lots on, but I, I have now... <laughs> lots um, on. Says the guy that lives in London, that works in London, works around the corner from a flipping mobile store. Okay, well, I, I do appreciate that people have actually recognised that I, I met the uh, rules of the challenge and kept things under uh, $100. And it was interesting when I was in the States recently noting that you can pick up the 530 on T-Mobile for around $60, which means I've really met the budget and actually have room for a few extras as well. Um, it has been a big come down from using kind of an all-sing, all-dancing, you know, £500 phone. And I have really noticed a difference, but I've been surprised how easy it was to get going. Um, and outside some of the difficulties that we'll talk about in a future episode, it's a, it's a viable thing. You can do a $100 phone. I've been having some problems. Painful, so has it been? It has been. <laughs> Have you had your soldering R and uh, It's been it's been grim. So again, uh, like like Rafe, I'll, I'll I'll talk about sort of the the challenges in detail. Um, I think we're going to come back to a, a big update and see in episode five we talked about. But as of now, still not solved my Google Play Store issue. Oh, yeah. uh, but I have temporarily temporarily addressed that with uh, the Amazon App Store, which is working well for me. Uh, installed that. Um, Although a uh, small charging problem with a slightly oh, dodgy so, so good USB battery port. life. Um, battery life is fine. Unfortunately, it does require charging, and I, several nights, oh dear. Uh, several nights now, it's been left plugged in but not charging because the oh, USB port is a bit the, dodgy. You are using this as your primary handset, I hope. Well, at the moment, I'm running them side by side. I, I have two two handsets, work and personal, and yeah. it is my main work number. Cool. But a lot of calls are going to voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> We are always listening to the uh, listener feedback. And a gentleman called Stephen Smith emailed at the end of last Yo, season. Stephen. Hello, Stephen. Uh, emailed at the end of last season and asked a device, that, uh, asked a question, asked a device, asked a question saying, when was the best time for him to buy a flagship phone? Mm. He had recently bought a Nokia Lumia 1020. Nice. So not all good news in Stephen's life, as far as I can tell. Ben, ben, that that's, that, that's low. Uh, he'd recently bought a 1020 and he was an- he was anxious that um, he may have bought at the wrong time and potentially you know sort of wasted money on a device mm. that was about to lose value and, and that sort of thing and of course it's it's a question that that anyone who's interested in phones uh, need, need you know needs to think about from time to time because unless you have 
huge amounts of money. You know, it, it, it actually is quite an expensive, it's quite an expensive business. Yeah. It's a significant purchase. So this week we answer that question, and mm. I suppose we should kick off, Mr. McLeod, yep. by uh, dealing with the first things first. Yes. What is a flagship phone? Right. So I, I think I've been hearing the term flagship ever since I've been involved in the, the mobile phone industry, and it's usually I, I feel or I associate with a, a tired, stressed executive worrying about its stock price thrusting a phone at you going this is our flagship i'm thinking of nokia actually it's forever forever hearing nokia's flagship model not this nokia's new flagship model and basically i think it my understanding is it refers to the the phone uh the single phone in the whole range i'm quite picky about this the whole range of phones that manufacturer has it's the single best sexiest nicest highest spec one often the most expensive not not always though sometimes maybe the one before the most expensive um and it's the one that everyone everyone particularly everyone in the manufacturer wants to show off yeah this is the pinnacle of our engineering it's the flagship to show you where we're going where everything else is going to follow so rafe you talked about uh, being in um, ifa and seeing a mid-tier flagship and that kind of stuff drives really me drives me mad because <laughs> Surely there can't be more than one flagship. Yeah, I mean, the the, the very nature of it, flagship obviously is a, a naval term and it comes when you've got a fleet of ships and you have your uh, flag admiral on on one particular thing and he, the flag of the admiral is in the mast. So that's where, where the term comes from, just a slight uh, tangent impressive. then. But that suggests it should be the, just naval one smartphone. They, they made all their money in the pirating, I think. Yeah. Thank you, thank you for that. You and that's, that's totally you erroneous bit of family Sorry, history. Um, actually, from Blanford Forum, but that's another story. Anyway, it should Forum. just be about one one device. But I think the term has been abused it's by uh, by manufacturers, and we have had this idea of multiple flagships from one device manufacturer, and a term that you know HTC is an example of this, and they were using it to mean this is you know our our. Best our quality, best. our best mid-tier phone. Honestly, you're never going to get a manufacturer admitting to that because the idea that some of their other phones aren't good or best mm. or in some ways. But a, a, a term that I like that I know Ben uh, used earlier is the idea of a, a hero device. So perhaps talk about that, Ben. Yeah, so flagship bothers me because flagship is supposed to be um, a symbolic leader of a group and it often is one of the it often is at the front and it often is the the most desirable but as as ewan said it doesn't mean it's the most expensive it mm. doesn't mean it's the most high powered and in some respects i think it is so misunderstood it's not really a helpful term it means it's a pr term now right so for example i think in his question Stephen refers to his 10, 1020 as a flagship device and at the time that he sent us the question, which admittedly was, was some time ago, that could argue to be the case. But right now, as we're talking, I would say that the, the 930 is the flagship device because it is not the highest spec uh, you know, of every, in, mm. compared to every single other device in the range. But it, it is the, the optimum collection of, of, of you know, features, a price, facilities. That is kind of the, the one that, that they will lead the market on. And if you want to go bigger, you can. If you want to go cheaper, you can. But actually, this is the, the, one, the, the, the best one. And is it the one that's going to sell the most, or ideally the one that's going to sell yes, the most? Yes, and, and, so, and so that's why I think, actually, well, the question we should be addressing is more, as Rafe said, about hero devices. Uh, you know, and and actually, actually, that makes it clearer 
that the hero device is the one that actually is the one that is the best known and is the one that is symbolic of the rest of the range, not the best spec, the most expensive or yeah, something like right. that. Because uh, we could, you know, think about the 1020, that is fair to say an imaging flagship, it's leading the pack, but it's now a device that's been superseded by the 925, 930, the 1530, arguably, all of which are, are probably hero devices in some ways. And look at Samsung, they have the Samsung Galaxy S5, but they also have the, the you know the Note device range and a couple of others that could, you know, now they've had, I think it's the Galaxy Alpha's been mm. announced those are all arguably contenders for flagship and there should really only be one. And so if we define this as, as a hero, we actually talk about the device that in its relative market positioning and, and point is the one that has kind of been identified by the manufacturer as you know, a device that stands out and therefore gets more marketing dollars, gets more attention. It's the one that you typically see in the shop shelves from various retailers, both, mm. both online uh, and offline. For manufacturers like Apple, it's easy because it's just you know, effectively one or two devices. For other manufacturers, that could actually encompass a couple of different devices. Mm. Um, and, you know, especially when you see Sony announcing something like the Z3 and the Z3 Compact, arguably both hero devices in their own right. And so I think... What's their flagship at the minute, the Sony? I think you'd have to pick out the Z3 as their, their flagship if you're just going to choose one. Mm. So it, it's sort of helpful maybe to, to talk about hero device when we do this because then we get away from this like confusion that you tend to get with flagships and it's really the sort of that sense of of premium because it's not certainly about sales because always the cheaper devices are going to sell more but it is the one where you know if you're seeing the executive get up and talk at a conference what's the phone that they're going to pull out of their pocket and show off as that's what we're most proud of this you know the the example of the company's best work iphone iphone 6 is going to be an example and we said this wouldn't be an iphone episode iPhone 6 is going to be the that's the flagship device that's symbolic of what the current Apple iPhone range looks like but actually the 6 plus is larger more powerful uh, and has some features that the but 6 it's, doesn't it's an extension of that range it is so the flagship attracts you to the range and then you go and buy the hero device in the category that you're interested in yeah yeah, yeah. okay good so we have defined we have defined our terms and immediately thrown away the one that Stephen used but uh, no problem because I have to say it drives me mad when uh, flagship is so widely abused I think it it gets banded around too much and actually confuses people unhelpfully mm. so um, now we know what we're talking about and we're gonna we're gonna think about hero devices Ewan um, we really need to understand the how how phone prices change over time because yes. In some cases, you wouldn't necessarily think that they that they do, but of course, that's oftentimes because we buy them hidden through contracts and all these sorts of things. But actually, the prices of phones do quite clearly change, you know, quite quickly over uh, their lifespan. And much more rapidly than almost any other consumer good that you can think of. You know, of course, the, the price of a loaf of bread and, you know, TVs do, do vary over time. But I think um, smartphones stand out as having price drops of very substantial amounts you know within just a matter of months in some cases and certainly if you extend it to the year or two year time frame the price drops and price differences are really very notable indeed and therefore have an impact on this discussion about when is the best time to buy well this is the the thing that that bothers me it's actually why i tend to prefer to buy phones the minute they come out i mean we'll we'll talk about our own habits later on but that's just because i think i want the maximum time um 
spent with a device before it becomes irrelevant or before, before it becomes old. I mean, after and, six months, and, you start hearing about the um, the next to the Galaxy S6 or the Galaxy X, whatever. You, it doesn't take long before these things are out of date. And then in terms of value, I mean, I, I whenever I've been looking to buy a phone, I'm always astonished that what well, after a month you you, you tend to see I'm, a little bit of look a, at look at Sony Z2 earlier this year Z3 yeah. halfway through then it's six months basically well, well actually three six one podcast commissioned some research Ooh. on this well, let, let's hear about oh, well it. I've got the research in front of me research we say hello to the lead lead researcher Howard Rowland uh, lead researcher and yep. and all round good guy who has mm. pulled some amazing numbers out for us and I just want to I just want to pick out some some numbers because I think it's really fascinating there's there's tons and tons of detail but first of all we have to divide into the android and the ios camp yeah not because we're pro ios or pro android but because factually they do change price at different times yes it's quite clear that um ios devices lose their lose their value and lose their reduce their price much more slowly Mm -hmm. uh, than all the other phones on the market and actually that the the price the price decrease is very slow and gradual over, over the lifespan and uh, ideally um, there's there's often as much as a sort of a 10% price drop within the first month or two after release but after then the the price declines fixed, gradually isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, however android devices change change prices um, quite quite substantially differently and um, it's really fascinating actually to see that um, we we've got a we've got a graph here from uh, from a research organization and the galaxy s2 the Galaxy S3 mm. and the Galaxy S5 lost, uh, changed their value really, really closely. So there's a there's a real pattern emerging here. This is not just one specific device. This is, uh, you know, the whole range. And actually, it shows that they lose on on, on the whole. They they lose about twenty five. They, they the price comes down about twenty five percent to forty five percent in the first year. But it's interesting to see how that price decrease is is applied and the bulk of that decrease is applied in the first three months that's shocking and you actually see a similar pattern on windows phone it's actually somewhere in between the two and that the price decrease tends to be spread over a slightly longer period of time uh, but it likewise you know buying six months after the release you'll certainly get the the best value for money if, if that's what we're talking about when you balance it against the desire to have it as soon as it comes out uh, and it's probably worth making the point here that you can look at depreciation values and sort of pick out when is the the best time to buy. But there is more than one factor in when you talk about when should I buy one. There's the absolute cost factor. But most people aren't making a purely rational numbers based decision about buying a phone. There is a emotion in it, and I think Ewan is probably our prime candidate. Am for, I the uh, edge case emotional? I, I think you're the poster boy for the buy it as soon as I want it because I want to have it before anyone else and I want it to have a certain amount of prestige factor. Well, I, I tell you what, I mean, I, I want to talk about this later on. Really, it's, it's a, I, I find I'm really disappointed when I, when I know that I've got technology that's now been superseded. I, I, I feel less whole. And certainly when you're, when you're thinking about um, when should you buy, you mm. also need to think about when should you dispose. Well, of, this, of that's where I am. When should very you refresh? Active. And, yeah. and here's some more. Here's some more numbers. Go on. Typical iPhone resale value after one year of ownership: sixty-three mm-hmm. percent of the original price. Okay. Sixty-three. What was it? What, 63, so, what was the Samsung? Forty-six. 
percent. Wow. Okay, yeah. so it's quite a difference. So, and again, this is not uh, you know pro or anti any one of the particular platforms. Just factually, they are different markets for different devices. Mm. And so, as you you can see, we're already seeing a trend here of. Uh, very very gradual decrease in price for iPhone. Uh, no no sudden drop off after release, but it retains more of its value over the lifespan. Uh, with an Android device, particularly um, this research uh, references the Samsung Galaxy range as being you know kind of one of the one of the typical uh, identifiers there. Um, a big a big drop in price over the first three months, sometimes up to as much as thirty uh, percent, but then also a substantial drop to below 50% by the end of the first year. And of course, with people so often in two-year contracts in the in the UK, that uh, that trend continues into yeah. the, throughout the second year as well. We, we should perhaps distinguish between a high-end sort of mid-tier devices and that you'll typically see, certainly obviously less um, dollar value price drop, but also a smaller percentage price drop. That's reflecting the margins are, are smaller oh. in mid-tier versus high-end. But it's also worth saying that the high-end devices that run android from the big manufacturers typically have a bigger cushion and therefore more to fall than some of the uh, devices from the likes of xiaomi and you know other chinese manufacturers and so if you're you know looking to maximize your value actually buy a cheap high-end device from one of the less well-known manufacturers is that a flagship one or not uh, well th there's a there's a a debating point from earlier so i think it's you have to be careful when you talk about this subject because it does depend who you're buying from in terms of manufacturing and where you're buying and so the, the, the honest answer is you know when you're buying a flagship actually buy a mid-tier flagship because you'll get the maximum value in terms of you know money mm. against feature set because they'll do 95 percent of what the high-end phone will do and will cost probably half the price right. but of course again people don't behave in that manner because Buying a phone is about more than just the uh, cost per feature ratio. Certainly, there's if you buy a mid-tier hero device, there's less to lose. Because if you get it yes. wrong, then the overall purchase price and the percentages you're dealing with are less. But certainly, as you go up the, the, the bands, it's also worth... Um, it's also worth thinking about the the relative the relative amount of money. You, you know, it might be the same ten percent. It might be the same fifteen percent drop. But it's it's in real absolute terms, it's, it's double. It's double the amount of money. Um, another another interesting point here as well, of course, is that this is hugely influenced by the uh, the sales success of these devices, and I think that's um, that's exemplified uh, by by some differences uh, in the in that in that Samsung range uh, in that first three-month period. So obviously, uh, ultimately, prices leveled out, but the way they got there uh, varied. And um, Samsung Galaxy S2 and S3, uh, big commercial successes for uh, for Samsung and really set the, the Galaxy range up. Um, uh, where are we? 13%, uh, S2 lost 13% of its value in the first three months. S3 was 14%. Um, S4 was 18%, but actually the S5, which uh, in some cases was considered uh, not such a good seller, was up to 30% in the first three months, yeah. reduced from the price. So there's definitely a, a factor there as well about waiting to see how what pans out and taking advantage. I mean, I suppose if something's not selling well, you might also choose, change your mind about what you're buying. But if you stayed firm in the handset you wanted, there's definitely with the Android devices, and I think this applies to Windows Phone as well. Uh, well can, uh, just remind me of the, the release pattern for Samsung, because usually they bring out the S5. It's, it's on an annual example. basis. Right, but then when does the Note come along? Six months later, so they tend to have it at opposite ends of the year. Yeah, so you know, if, if you're three months 
into the launch, you're thinking, yeah, I think I'll get an S5. You might think, oh, well, actually, there's a lot of noise now about the the Note, so I might think about buying that, in which case, are they, is that why they're dis- discounting the price? Uh, it's difficult to say because I think those are actually two very different devices and yeah. typically people who, who are interested in the Note are choosing that because they want the larger screen. I mean, ultimately, all of this underlying um, price devaluation is really relatively basic economics and it's um, Apple bucks the trend here, really. Uh, and you can talk about effectively the d- demand-supply ratio, the reason that Android devices, and it also applies to, to Windows Phone, uh, are more expensive to begin with is because there's a limited supply and therefore it's more valuable because the number of people that want it um, are higher. As you move through time, the, those demand or those supply constraints go away. I think what's interesting here is Apple could probably um, increase the prices at its initial point by $200 and people would still buy them and you'll then see a very similar um, price depreciation curve but don't give a, them ideas, right? Well, quite. There's a point at which price gouging would do damage to their brand in the longer term. Yeah. Uh, and so um, economics um, professors would probably tell Apple that they're missing out on a certain amount of revenue and opportunity to get more money from consumers. But of course, there is a, there's going to be a trade-off there. So from purely traditional demand supply uh, so, economics. So from a from a from a general point of view, we've picked out the differences between the platforms and, and noticed some variations between individual devices. But the other key thing is that we haven't got access to any private data here. This information yeah. is all published uh, actually quite openly on reviews. So it's it's once you know what device you want to buy, what platform you want to buy, um, if you're trying to solve this problem, have a look. You know the the, the graphs and the analysis are out there, and you could actually work this out for yourself and yeah. for the sake of five or five or ten minutes googling uh you and you could persuade yourself perhaps to wait or you know to either buy early or to wait for a few months you could you know make yourself a, a substantial saving on, on a device so it would be time time well spent um, if you want one place to go for for that because you might not be able to find your particular model look for the preceding model which there'll often be one look at the pricing on amazon there's various sites that provide historical amazon pricing well, amazon good recommendation tend to track the general market price. It's the nature of the site that it does price matching. And so you can get a very good idea of what the price curve will be like over time for the particular device you're interested in. Okay, that's a good point to move on to the next the next element of this conversation, yes. which of course is, well, where should mm. you buy it from? Because now you, now you have some idea about what price it's going to be, where, whether it's good value or poor value. Um, you now need to decide where to buy from. And of course, you've got, You've got a couple of options, but the first one we're going to look at is buying outright. Yes, um, this is particularly uh, do this is particularly doable on the mid-tier devices that Rafe was talking about, um, and we we picked the Motorola G, which is a, a you know a really a really good value device. Is it mid-tier? Would you say, Rafe? It's it, it, almost it's low end, isn't it? Towards the lower end yeah. of the mid tier, but I mean, I think lower end of the mid tier. That so that was Ray yeah. saying, no, not really. <laughs> this is the this is the Android device I would recommend to people who don't want to spend a lot of money on a phone, but want to avoid that kind of slightly nasty feeling. You get a very cheap Android device. I mean, there's a lot going for it, both in terms of the design, but also in terms of the software hasn't been uh, messed about with too much. So we. Uh, Got some more research done in that area and did some price comparisons. And, and for anyone who's interested, we picked the 4G LTE version, but only as an example. And um, it, it's interesting, actually. High street retailers are selling it for £160 plus uh, delivery 
charge. Uh, that's um, that's Argos, which is a UK high street retailer, also present online though. Um, in the in the middle, then there were some more some of the the, the super. Uh, there's a supermarket in there, and a Tesco Direct, um, Expansis, and Motorola themselves are selling around 150 mark. But they're all they're all fairly high. What's it really interesting to see actually is, I may, maybe it shouldn't be a surprise, is that Amazon.co.uk uh, came out cheapest and. Of course, you think, well, actually, maybe that's just that device. Maybe that's just uh, um, an anomaly in this case. But there's a cracking site called Rivuli.com uh, uh, who track historical prices in the way that Rafe was talking about. And certainly the analysis that we've had done seems to suggest that uh, Amazon actually is consistently at the, cheap, at the cheapest end of the spectrum. And in this case, um, for this device, Apple, we're selling 144 145 pounds so that's a, a 15 pounds and delivery uh, difference not a huge absolute amount but of course 10 percent of the total price mm. now, now the one exception to this and we're specific to the uk market but you'll find a similar pattern in other countries is that sometimes you will see these devices available on pairs you go which in theory is locked to a specific operator um, for a little bit less and this is because uh, despite uh, what you might think most network operators will provide a small subsidy even on pay-as-you-go devices it's the cost of acquiring a user and so often you can take between 10 and 20 pounds off the cost of a, a lower cost uh, device um, that's because obviously they they want you to go in you have to look out for this though because sometimes the devices will be locked to that particular network however if you buy through certain operators here in the UK, three being one of them, or through Carphone Warehouse, which is a third-party retailer, you can pretty much guarantee that the device will come unlocked and thereby you might be able to save a little bit of extra money. Now, you may need to then buy a SIM card and uh, get a top-up. Tenor. Yeah. That may or may not be it's useful. Yeah, tenor. Uh, yeah. But sometimes you can still just save you a bit extra. But probably the simple advice here is if you want to avoid that kind of headache, go and look at Amazon or any of the big kind of collective retailers where they do price matching and where there's a, you know, a third-party aftermarket as well, and mm. you, you'll get the best pricing. So, Ewan, uh, the online retailers, and particularly Amazon, coming out consistently uh, best-priced, you yes. know, 10% off some of the higher, uh, some of the smaller volume retailers and, indeed, uh, the, the Motorola pricing for its own stuff. Um, if you're buying from a network... So right. uh, if I'm buying with a subsidy on a two-year contract, what's the, what's the story there? Well, you see, I always used to buy from a network, typically because they used to have it quicker than, than most other suppliers, but that seems to have changed quite dramatically in recent years. Uh, the benefit from buying from an operator is typically you don't have to pay up front. You know, usually it's either free, and historically in the UK, you know, people have been accustomed to getting handsets for free and either having to do a 12-month, an 18-month, then more more uh, normal now, like three, for example, in the UK, only does 24-month contracts now. So if you are going to buy a phone from an operator, that, that's quite useful. It means you don't have to pay for upfront, typically, and a lot of people really like the idea of spreading the payments. Um, it does mean you are committing quite dramatically to, uh, to that particular operator, and you end up, what well, I feel, that you end up paying a lot more. But actually, what I, what I mean is there is less flexibility so I've stopped doing that. I used to be a massive fan um, of buying on contract just because I was using the operator like a bank. So, Rafe, if, uh, if we've decided that we're going to buy through an operator, how do we get the best deal? 
Well, you have to look at the total cost of ownership, and that's oh, technical term. Yeah, that, that, that that's the cost. That, that's the cost that you pay upfront, typically. You know, because you for for some phones, you won't get everything completely free, uh, and then you add up each of the monthly payments. This has become more complicated. Time was when basically there were just a, a few contract tiers that you could choose from, but more recently we've seen a decoupling of the subsidy model from the service model. And what I mean by that is you pay for your service, i.e. your ability to have data and calls and text each month, and then you pay separately for the subsidy. And we've seen O2 Refresh, uh, T-Mobile have made a big deal of that in the States. But actually, we're, kind of the origin of all this was the idea of SIM-free contract. This was the idea that you could have a, a month-to-month contract with your operator and, and just pay for service. And so the, traditionally, the advice has been uh, buy your device outright and then get a SIM-free contract still some people you know don't want to pay that much up front it's perfectly understandable and saying so using the operator as ewan says as a bank is the way to go but you do need to look at that that total cost and we've had some research done to kind of work out for one particular device the iphone 6 you know, which network which network is going to give you the best value for money yep so we looked at the iphone 6 64 gigabyte model as an example and we looked at all of the four main uk networks that's ee vodafone o2 and three uh, we looked at 24-month net uh, contracts because that's the the standard duration, and actually it was really really so interesting. Should we get the listeners to kind of look away now? And make well, a guess. <laughs> well, it was really make interesting. A game. Interesting to see the diversity. So yeah. prices ranged from about 1,100 and something uh, pounds over the full two-year contract, including all that front, all the way up to well north of 1,300 pounds. So there's a big difference. Now, of course. You are getting a different. There are there is a variety of different tariffs in there and about different amounts of data and um, things in that range. But if you just look at it, if you just look at tariffs that have comparable amounts of data, it's actually quite noticeable that there's two trends that that we picked out in our research. One is the more you pay upfront for your device, generally the lower the total cost of ownership will be. Mm. So it is worth paying a hundred pounds and more if you can. On a, on a device up front, you're getting less subsidy from the operator, you're borrowing less, and therefore over the cost of, over the lifetime of the contract, you pay less. And that actually shows that generally, um, like for like, uh, contracts with no pounds for the device up front free are the worst value. Mm. The other thing we noticed uh, as a general trend across all of the tariffs was that um, there, there really are uh, sort of two tiers of device costs in the UK. And we found that EE and Vodafone were uh, similar but more expensive, mm-hmm. and O2 and 3 were similar but cheaper in terms of the overall total cost of ownership on, a compa- on comparable devices. There you go. I wouldn't have guessed that. If we played that game properly, I wouldn't have guessed that. I would have guessed O2 and uh, Vodafone as the most expensive. There you go. So that was a huge amount of data. What would you do? Right, okay. I'm... And, and, and let me let me clarify the question, you before yes. you go off. Not what would you do, because we know what you do. You you run screaming to the Apple shop with a fistful of money, stuffing it no, into the pocket. No, I had someone bring it to me. You had someone to bring it. All right, that doesn't, the story doesn't work. But <laughs> you, you, you just throw money at Apple as quickly as possible. So what would you... There's a method there, but Karen. What would you recommend to Stephen? I, I would say you, you want the best value flagship phone for the longest period of time, Stephen, right? Because the, the issue about waiting, right? And I know that will be cheaper, but the issue about waiting is that um, 
very quickly, the magnificent device that you are lording it over with um, everybody with um, is very quickly erased from from the memory of everybody else because you go, oh yeah, that that ten ten twenty, yeah, lovely. Uh, but actually, I've got the nine thirty now, or I've got this one, I've got that one, uh, really quickly, and especially if you're a Sony customer, for example, right? Uh, so yeah, my view, I think you should buy it. I think, you should, but you know, come on, I'm conditioned, right? I think you should buy it. I don't think you should do an operator. He's going to have to spend two years with that phone that was only going to be a market leader, a flagship device for about six to eight months. If he's lucky. Rafe. I would congratulate Stephen on having the very good taste to buy a Lumia 1020 well, in the first place. And uh, actually, that's quite an old device, relatively speaking, for what we might consider a flagship. So he'll have got excellent value for money on it. It's, it's worth noting that he sent the question in a few months back during the last season. So. E- even a couple of months ago. Um, in terms of uh, a recommendation for what, what I think you should do, I would say buy the device outright. See, there you go. I was right as well. But three months after the launch, unless you're buying an iPhone. And I would say that applies to people who listen to this podcast on mobile kick who probably replace their phones more regularly than the two yearly contract cycle. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, but definitely, if you're buying an iPhone, get out there, buy it straight away on launch day. Um, you're going lo- to lose less and you're not missing a bargain you know, weeks later, um, if you're buying any other platform, Android or, or Windows Phone, give it that first three months. Check out the uh, check out the operator deals. Um, you know, uh, check out the operator deals at the time you're buying for the amount of data that you want to use, and see if you can save some money by picking a smart tariff. Sounds like you absolutely could, to the tune of, of ten or twenty percent or so. Um, the other thing we haven't covered in depth, of course, is the second-hand market as well. But of course, look at the look at the depreciation values and think mm-hmm. about actually, do you want to buy a flat? Do you want to buy a uh, a flagship, uh, perhaps a mid-tier flagship phone, or do you want to buy last year's high-end flagship uh, phone second-hand as well? So cons- consider those options. But certainly, um, it's worth it. It's worth considering all of those factors and knowing knowing which type of device you're going to buy from the outset. Okay, well, good to speak to you guys. Thank you very much indeed, for indeed. all, all your you. input. Thank you especially for Roland, who did all the number crunching for nice us this week. Nice one, Roland. Uh, Roland, stonking job. And, I mean, there are just pages and pages of data that we haven't even talked about yet. So I think there's definitely some scope to uh, to do some more on this one. But hopefully, Stephen, there's some some tips and tricks on how you should approach your purchases. Um, i re- now rereading Stephen's question that I have in the screen in front of me. Uh, I suspect he may have been asking how to replace his 1020 rather than buying his 1020, <laughs> but all of what we've just said still holds true, so there's no problem with that one. Get yourself out there, choose what you want, and then just hold fire for a few months, we reckon. Thank you very much, guys. Good to speak to you. Likewise. Love and you. we will be back next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>